Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everyone. It's V the Grill Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the morning. And we have with us the one and only Crypto Cowboy, or the cow person, whatever his pronouns that he prefers. Crypto Cowboy is here with us, and he's going to be breaking down a lot of the market news and this, that, and the other. Uh, I'm uh, still a little bit under the weather. I'm ledging. That's low energy jab. That's, that's what I'm feeling right now. Low energy jab. But luckily, CJ's here. He is uh, broadcasting and running this uh, broadcast from an undisclosed location. Uh, CJ, do you care to tell the audience where you are exactly in this? And you're in an undisclosed location. I don't know if you want to share. You know, it's pretty top secret right now. Um, you know, I got um, JFK Jr. in the other room waiting for me. Um, that sounds sexual, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> Could, could could be. I'm trying to align. I'm trying to align. Trying to align <laughs> the new agenda potentially. <laughs> he just kind of whispered it too. Like, yeah, he's in the other room, like waiting for waiting me. for me. <laughs> this is the church of the trash panda. Welcome everyone. This is uh, Velas is the uh, he's the pontiff. Uh, I'm the old, uh, CJ and I are the older boys. <laughs> a cowboy. Yeah. What are you again? What's your position, man? You're like a cardinal or a bishop or something. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cardinal bishop. Oh, you're the cardinal bishop. Yeah, that's that's some big stuff right there. That is what's up, man. That's what's up. Well, folks, it is rogue in the morning. Luckily, Cowboy's here to carry the day and win the day over for us. Lots of things to cover. If you want to get a hold of Cowboy, you can find him. He is lurking within the Rogue News Discord. At, uh, and if you need to get into the Rogue News Discord, you have to ask the one half of the dynamic duo. The other altar boy in the tr- in the church of the trash panda, my compatriot, the one and only CJ. You can email him over at cj at roguenews.com, cj at roguenews.com. He will then give you the link where you can talk to the cardinal bishop of the tr- church of the trash panda himself, Crypto Cowboy. So without further ado, Crypto CJ, good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing pretty good. Doing well, man. Doing well. Just uh Today, uh, my wife celebrates a big milestone birthday, so shout out to her. Um, she's Happy taking tomorrow birthday. off. She didn't want to take her actual birthday off, which I'm trying to understand. Dude, but, all right. take her to Cineholic. Get her like a Cineholic birthday don't, cake. Don't ever under- try to understand women, because the moment you think you do, you don't. 
That's They're a mystery works. wrapped in a riddle, obscured in an enigma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all good. Dude, you're going to take it to Cineholic or what, man? Um, maybe. Did maybe. you try the Cineholic yet, Siege? Yeah, yeah, I like it. What did it. you think? I, I thought I thought it was good, and they do they do have a gluten uh, free option. Um, did you know the whole thing is vegan? The whole thing is. I didn't know that. Yeah, the wow. whole restaurant they sell vegan cinnamon buns, and they are friggin' incredible. So yeah. good. Yeah, made fresh. Yeah. yeah. Very. Yeah, I don't mess with vegan because I don't know if they're using no no soy, soy. no soy. Okay. Yeah, soy free. They use like pea protein and stuff like that. Yeah, and then like of course soy milk wheat. is just milk introducing itself in Spanish. <laughs> so that's all it is, soy milk. I was looking at uh, I was looking at properties down in um, Guadalajara. No, it's Puerto Escondido. So this Puerto is Escapo. Es- Escondido. This means it means hidden port. This is down um, about two Sounds hours. Good west of oaxaca oh so it's oaxaca down... has like the best food in mexico bro see is that true oaxaca's food is like they're famous for their mole or something uh that i'm not that i'm not sure of why am i asking sure you you gave up your hispanic card yeah a long time ago when you decided to become a white supremacist so why am i even bothering siege i did like most people see me they're like we had no idea you were mexican he doesn't I'm like, wait. He goes around telling you that he's everybody that he's Spaniard. I'm like, wait, let me go get my tequila (laughs) and then I'll show you. (laughs) Until until the drinking game begins and then he drinks everybody under the table. (laughs) Oh, man. Can't mess with El Cuco, man. So, okay. So, you were were in uh, uh, outside of Waiaca. You were looking at properties? Yeah, I didn't go down there. I'm just looking at them on the internet because um, this uh, Puerto Escondido is a surf, like it's like the pipeline in Mexico. And the water down there is like, you know, 80 degrees all the time. Dude, you surfed? That, you know, I surfed when I still lived in California, but Holy I can't, cow. I don't like cold water. California's cold. cold water. Dude, that, yeah. it is cold, but it is refreshing cold water. Refreshing. If you like your nuts in your stomach, it's refreshing. Sometimes I like my nuts in my stomach. What's wrong with that? Yeah, as long as they're problem. your nuts in your stomach, it's good. <laughs> oh, I walked that one. <laughs> you walked backwards into I that walked one. Backwards, <laughs> bent over onto that one. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, oh man. I'm still delirious from being out for two days. <laughs> did you miss me? <laughs> I, did. I did. No, it's uh it's a beautiful spot. I mean, you could get, you know, there's two million dollar villas down there. You can get a property down there for you know, if you just want something for three, four hundred thousand dollars, like a nice property, you know, I wouldn't go down there and spend a lot of money and just reveal to the world down there that I'm rich. That you not not that I you don't want to be the gringo the kind of on the hill. To do that. What's that? You don't want to be the gringo on the hill. No, no way. I want to be like, like you know, the Spanish speaking. Is this guy really from America? Well, dude, you put on a tan. I mean, you, you that you know, you get that dark Sicilian look, bro. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I mean, once dark. you get that that tan on you, no one's messing with you, bro. Yeah, the blue eyes throws them off though. They don't know what to think. That's what it is. Okay, you know, you got the dark Sicilian, swarthy Mediterranean features with the blue eyes. Yeah, they freak know. out. Freak out. Just keep your beard long, you'll be all right. There you go. Yeah, it's freaking. I got like blonde hair and a black beard. It's the weirdest thing. Strange. Um, Strange. So, but yeah, you know, I think. Uh, I mean, we do have quite quite the show. I mean, basically, you know. I want to talk a little bit about 
my own theory behind what's a pretty pub. Well, that's not that well known of an article, but first I just want to kind of take a look at uh, just a quick look at some markets, particularly the S and P. Yeah. Um, Cause there's just a lot of talk around things right now. And it just a quick, you know, a quick shout out to anybody who's trading. Um, I'm going to share my screen. There you go. Whenever that pops up. Okay. So, you know, what we're looking at here is the SP 500, right? So I'm going to go way zoom way out to the three month charts. This is a quarterly chart each one of these bars that you see is three months worth of action. So you, we're going back to like 2009 and it's just been bombing up. Right. And we're, what we're seeing now as of, you know, we're, we're seeing one of the biggest dumps and Huge longest dump. dumps in the history of the S and P, as far as this chart goes, I'm not yeah. sure if there, this is an index, right? This is an actual, um, this is a futures chart. So at least since 2009, we're seeing one of the biggest contractions we've ever seen. And that's after one of the, that's after perhaps the biggest run up we've ever seen. So what goes up must come down, right? So you have this, this from say, uh, COVID dump, January, 2020, all the way up to, uh, so that was sitting at 2170. And then we topped out around 4,800 and now we're headed back down. And technically, most retracements go down to the 618 Fibonacci. So that would be, we've already kind of, well, is that? No, I did that backwards. Hold on. Let me delete that. I haven't used Fibs like I used to use them. So 61.8% retracement would be at 3,200, right? So if you're going to go strictly with charting, and that is a good way to go, outside of some kind of a black swan event. Mm. Um, you know, 32, 3,300 is not a bad place to look for the S&P to fall to. And the reason that I talk about the S&P um, is because it's just a great bellwether, um, you know, in defensive times, in down markets, the, what it looks like so far is the Dow is outperforming, the NASDAQ is underperforming, and the S&P is kind of middle of the pack. Um, you know, the NASDAQ is tech heavy, the Dow is more, you know, your typical old school stocks, if you want to say that. Um, and then you have another way to look at this is with volume nodes, right? So we're going to do, I, I use a fixed range volume profile because I use market rotation. So from bottom to top, so if you use, I do it on a major impulse, either up or down. So on this impulse, as soon as the calculation is done, it sometimes just takes a minute and it might be because I'm using an index. So let's not use an index. Remove the drawings, we'll do SP 500. Okay, that's the index cache. S&P 500E, let's see, this one probably will work better. Ah, crap. All right, you know, <clears throat> long story short, I think 3,200 is a reasonable bottom for this. So why can I not do this? All right, there we go. Um, and to zoom in a little bit and talk about the SP 500, what we want to pay attention to is kind of what everybody's talking about now, how, Oh, it's SP 500 is dropping. And you know, they're, they're, Oh, it's, it's, some people are saying, Oh, it's above the, uh, you know, this average or uh, you know, it's, it's a bull market. And then the next week you get some major guys saying, no, the bull markets, the little mini bull, this move up is over. It's going to crash. And you, know, you just have all these different people saying all these different things. 
But if you zoom in to say the five day chart, what you're looking at is since 2020, that bottom right there, this is the same thing that we saw before. It's just broken up into five day segments as opposed to, uh, you know, three month segments. And this does look like a top right here that we just saw last week. It does look like we've come to a top, but everybody thinks the market's just going to crater down and it may, but at the same time, just some other metrics that I have part of my secret sauce says that if it does move down, it's probably not going to be as precipitous as these prior two, and it may not dip, may or may not dip below 34. Um, I do think there's more pain coming. <clears throat> I think we have a potential black swan event that we're going to talk about today that may happen actually next year. Um, it has to do with uh, derivatives. So uh, last week, uh, if you want to check out last week's show over on uh, Rumble, you'll see that uh, it came from Velis and it was on uh, our Discord. And he posted a um, he posted a, basically an infographic, if you will, that showed all of the wealth and the largest chunk of wealth out there is derivatives and the derivatives in the nominal sense based on current interest rates. So if there is a problem with derivatives, then the whole system crashes, right? So I think that particular chart said that there were maybe 600 billion in notional value derivatives. I said nominal, I meant notional. Um, however, the problem is that it didn't account for such things as the Euro dollar system. It didn't account for a lot of things. And today we actually have an example to talk about where, you know, where some derivatives are hidden and how they're hidden, right? So I'm going to go over to uh, this article's, I mean, our uh, community knows about this because we are, you know, the kind who pay attention. Uh, let me zoom this. But most people have no idea this is going on. <clears throat> They're too busy, you know, uh, watching their favorite football team. I can't get rid of these ads on the right, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, but the headline here is FX swap debt is an $80 trillion blind spot, according to the BIS. Now, the last month or so, I've covered the BIS heavily three weeks ago. So this Bank of International Settlements is um, like the central bank for central banks. And so, you know, they're dictating policy. They're talking about, um, you know, they're talking about, oh, okay, you know, all the central bankers get together and it's completely private and they get to decide what the monetary policy is going to be. So when Jerome Powell, the errand boy, gets on, you know, next week and talks about, okay, we're going to do this with that rate, you know, we're going to have a rate cut or a rate hike. I mean, he's just doing what he's told by whoever's running the BIS. And whoever is telling the BIS what to do is probably no one will ever, ever know about. It's those secret people that, you know, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't think, I don't think it's in our interest. Uh, but to kind of get to the matter at hand, right? So I've set up the structure, right? I've set up who the BIS is. I've set up what they do. Now, the BIS makes rules. We actually, I showed you some of those rules in what was called Basel 3 and what they're kind of calling Basel 4 about a month ago on Rumble. Again, go back and look that stuff up. Not going to take time on it today. But one of the rules that they get to set <clears throat> is, <clears throat> excuse me, is what balance sheets look like, okay? So a balance sheet for a company or a bank it's exactly what it sounds like. It's all of your assets and your liabilities. And ideally they balance them, you know, they balance each other out pretty well. 
So a non-bank, we defined this four or five weeks ago, you have kind of three large financial types of entities, right? You have the central banks, and then you have the commercial banks, and then you have non-banks. And non-banks can be large companies, they can be pension funds, they can be uh, retail banks like B of A, like where we go. Um, you know, at least their retail banking sector is considered a non-bank. I don't know if B of A has a commercial side or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. The point is, is that we talked about money creation. Again, not going to go over it too heavily today, but essentially the private central bank is, uh, it, take, it uses treasuries as collateral, creates, um, you know, creates dollars. And then the commercial banks have an account at the private central bank, which for us is the Fed for Europe is the ECB, um, you know, those kind of, that's a private central bank. They're not federal, they're private banks, but they do issue and control all the currency and they're told what to do by the BIS. Now those commercial banks have a bank account at the BIS and then, and then the BIS kind of gives them reserves based on treasuries, right? And then those reserves become the, 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 <laughs> they're allowed to clone money essentially at these commercial banks without going through the process too far, their asset also can become a liability where they are able to then lend out money to the non-banks like the pension funds and the companies. <clears throat> so the way that money is created is greatly reliant on commercial banks. And what I'm going to talk about today, after we get into detail on this $80 trillion landmine that could literally destroy the economy. I mean, it's, uh, you know, George Gammon, who, um, there, we should have a link to him. Friendly um, Gus. That's his uh, nickname. Friendly, friendly Gus. Gus. Yeah, Friendly Gus. Um, he, he's just, I actually, um, I, I got to this before he did. I got to a couple things before he did. I was kind of proud of that because he's usually on top of it. But um, he does a great explainer of this whole thing. So again, we're going to only scratch the surface on the $80 trillion, right? But he thinks, and I think it's realistic, and I'd want you guys to comment on it after we're kind of through the explanation, whether or not what he says, the following is possible. He thinks it's the the GFC, the global financial crisis, times a thousand, right? He thinks that that what I'm about to describe, this landmine, this contagion, is way worse than anything that ever happened in the history of anything in modern economic history. So to 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 put that heavy gravity, that gravitas on the situation, right? 80 trillion blind spot. This is through FX swaps. Okay. So um, again, follow the link, watch Gammon because he does just a great job. Hey, for the, for the lay person, Cowboy, could you just tell him what an FX swap is? We're going to do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For the, I'm going to do a, a, like a miniature version of, um, of Gammon, right? So I'm saying go talk to Gammon about it or listen to his show. But to make it really simple, let's just say you have two companies. You have an American company, like a US company that is domiciled in Europe. You know, their their factory or whatever is in Europe. Let's say that. I don't know if domicile is the right terminology. And then you have a European company who say has a factory in America. They both have a need for about $10 million. Let's say $10 billion because it's probably closer to what it is. So they have a, well, I'll say 10 million. So they need 10 million each, right? Now for an American company who is domiciled in Europe, if that's the proper term, to borrow $10 million in Europe means they have to borrow euros, which is going to cost them a lot more money in interest. Maybe let's just say 10%, like George Gammon's example. And then for that European company to do so in the States is also going to be, let's just say 10%. And we're going to pretend for a moment that the euro and the dollar is equal. So they're borrowing equal amounts of money. Now, uh, what those two companies can do is that U.S. company 
in Europe could borrow American dollars in the to, to the tune of 10 million and pay maybe half the interest. And then the European company could borrow euros and they won't be able to use those euros in the US and the American company won't be able to use their dollars in Europe, right? Because they don't, you know, those are, they need the, the European, the US company in Europe needs euros, but they'll borrow the dollars at a lower interest rate. And then those two companies will agree to lend each other the $10 million, you know, or 10 million euros back and forth at half the interest rate. So the American company in Europe borrows euros from the European company in America that borrows euros at a cheaper price and vice versa. Okay. So this is an FX swap. What it is, is it's a derivative. It's an agreement between two companies to just borrow each other's currency at a much lower interest rate. That's all it really is to make it really simple. But here's a problem. These are variable rates. So if we go back to the great financial crisis, the, the, you know, the mortgage debacle that happened in 2008, the reason that that happened is because people were borrowing these adjustable rate mortgages, these arms, and they were liar loans, right? So basically, they, you know, they were not qualified for the money. They didn't really have the ability to pay it back. And they borrowed low money and they figured, well, house prices keep going up. So we can just borrow this money and pull money out of the house to pay for things or whatever. You know, they just weren't really thinking. They just thought that they should have a house because they're entitled. I'm not going to go too philosophical on it. So what happened was as time went on, rates went up and what used to be a $4,000 mortgage became a $6,000 mortgage. They could no longer afford their homes and then they lost everything. Now, the problem there is that the banks started to lose money too because they were going to make money based on those paybacks. And when those people lost their homes and lost everything and many lost their jobs, those banks lost that payment and you have Lehman Brothers, right? And then so, uh, you know, TARP happened and then like we talked about last week, the, you know, that no one knows about and it's probably not provable, but the Euro dollar system was kind of harnessed to be able to kind of shore up a lot of these banks and banks were essentially nationalized. And, you know, th this seems very takedownish to me, right? And then we're going to apply this to the current scenario where you have way more money out there. It's $80 trillion. TARP was a trillion. TARP was actually $850 billion, which is the Troubled Asset Relief Program, I think it was called. And this is where the US government issued, a, you know, just under a trillion dollars to kind of cover these banks and shore them up. But in reality, money was kind of secret. It was it, it was a switcheroo, man. The whole TARP thing that, that kills me to, about TARP till this very day, all they did is just give them USTs U.S. Treasuries just to bolster and, and fluff their books. Mm -hmm. the, that's all they did. And they just had a second book of accounting to, to offload a lot of their toxic derivatives, which were in the tens of trillions for most of these banks. I mean, this is the reason why JPM and Bank of America and Citibank and whatnot, they're like, well, you know, we were $62 trillion in derivative debt last year, but this year we got that out of in control. We are, oh, you know, we're completely got that offloaded. We took care of it. That's impossible. Nobody could take care of that. Just accounting gymnastics. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. So, and and to think about this, um, <clears throat> yeah, and Greeny, yeah, the Green Machines kind of putting some comments in there with regard to how they were uh, manipulating house prices and manipulating the you know the funny values thing is, of bonds right? and stuff. And I mean, that, the whole GFC thing. You know, go watch the Big Short. That's that'll that'll cover it for you. It's a pretty good movie. Um, the, the 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 thing that the American <laughs> here's the funny thing, and this is, this is how you know it's an inside job. The funny thing that the American banking institution did during the 2008 financial collapse, utilizing TARP, 
is the same stinking thing that FTX did when scam bankman fraud was 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 uh was you know what was um uh you know counting his F- how is that I'm sorry Ponzi yeah it was a total Ponzi and then what he was doing he was counting his bullshit tokens his FTT tokens as actual real liquid collateral while offsetting actual real asset prices I mean the real uh you know the real uh, assets that he had from you know client deposits. It's the same shit that they did under TARP. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Go ahead. Well, not to digress too far, but I, I have a little more on FTX today. It's, it, I, you know, I've had FTX, uh, what's the word when you get tired or something? Fatigue. I've had oh, FTX yeah. fatigue for like weeks now, but there's a, there actually the story does get a little better. But to, to kind of get back on track with the BIS and this $80 trillion. So here's the thing about it. You have variable rates. You have companies where now the interest rate has gone up. So the ability for these, uh, especially non-American companies, to meet their debt obligation, that's a problem. Now, when you have US, a U.S. company that has borrowed euros to give to a European company, and that European company cannot make its payment, then both companies suffer, right? So the counterparty risk on this is, is very contagious. So if that happens... Then these companies that are that are humongous, they 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 crumble. These companies go away, and when these companies go away, the banks don't get their payments. And when the banks don't get their payments in the derivative uh, market, I mean, like I say that you're looking at a very very large problem. You're talking about you know eighty trillion dollars, eighty trillion. Our entire world economy is seventy trillion a year. That's that's like erasing the world for a year. Now, think about it this way, though, because it gets worse because you're talking about derivatives because derivatives have derivatives on top of derivatives. You have synthetic stuff. I mean, derivatives, they're synthetic to begin with, but then people are betting leverage on top of leverage. So the fact that you might have an $80 trillion becomes <laughs> maybe 10 times as bad. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the math is on it because no one knows. And part of the reason no one knows is because these debts, these FX swaps, according to the BIS, and this is where the BIS comes in and why this is a problem. They don't have to put these on their balance sheet. These companies, these companies do not have to put these debts on their balance sheet because technically it's a derivative. So you have, and now we're going to make a little bit of a leap. This is where the cowboy comes in with things that are not in the article. Um, what do we talk about with Basel three when the rest of Basel three, AKA Basel four, the, 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 rem, the remnants of Basel three, let's back up Basel three, watch the show three, four weeks ago, Basel three was there to tame the banks after 2008 in, in, in a big way. At least that's what it was there to do as far as we're told. So it was there to make sure the banks are not so risky. So we do not get another 2008, but much of the parts of Basel three that cut down on leverage and other risky uh, things don't take place and don't start to take place until January of 2023. So that's in like less than a month. And that's been that not going in place till 2023 has been around since Basel three was put in. I think what was Basel three 2011? I forget. It's been years. It's been in place. And those things don't really go into effect all at once either. They're going to go into effect over a five-year period. So, and we keep hearing that the CBDCs are going to come out in about five years. So that's something we put, you know, that's something I put together, I don't know, a few weeks ago, talked about it. So here's another 
thing to look at is the commercial banks make money because they're part of money creation. So the commercial banks have the, uh, the account at the Fed and then they lend money to the non-banks so the non-banks can invest, right? That's the purpose of a commercial bank, right? We don't have accounts in commercial banks. That's not what they're there for. Commercial banks are literally like the keystone, the linchpin to money creation. And because, and commercial banks are a humongous, ginormous business. Is it in their interest to do CBDCs? Because CBDCs are where the Fed directly takes over and starts putting money in people's accounts. When if, if the CBDC truly rolls out, there's a really good chance the commercial banks will go ahead and like, not a, they're not necessary anymore. And that's a very large, powerful group of people who want to remain necessary. So a lot of people have been kind of quote unquote banking or betting on the fact that commercial banks are not going to allow CBDCs or they're going to fight to keep it going. Well, what's a great way to get rid of commercial banks? Is to cause this big old effing collapse where the commercial banks who are making these swap loans, they're going to get contagion. And then the swap banks that are probably owned and have a stake from the commercial banks if you have a cascade of banking collapse, all that's going to be left is the private central bank. No one to stop them from CBDC. I don't know. I mean, am I, am I, is that too far of a leap, V? CJ, is that too far of a leap? Are you guys there? Is uh, CJ in the other room with JFK Jr.? <laughs> CJ might be in the other room with JFK Jr. Sage. Well, I think the majority of everything that we're looking at in terms of traditional financing is, is a complete fraud. Um, every, every bit of it, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before this entire system uh, collapses, whether it's the cryptos, um, you know, back to that old saying that if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Uh, every, every bit of it, it's all speculation. It's all debt driven, much like the title of this uh, live stream. And we all know that the banks are so over leveraged right now uh, because they left uh, the entire the entire structure of what was original originally designed as far as banking um, over. It's done. And now you look at this from a multitude of what the United States is doing globally, primarily with the, the European Union. Um, and, and hence why the, the reason why, like if you look at the, the rest of the world outside of Europe, outside of the West, they're done with this system. They're done with this model of fraud, uh, corruption, greed. Um, the, the days are numbered. Um, I, I think next year is a very pivotal year where we're going to see inflation again, double-digit inflation. We're going to see insolvency with a lot of financial institutions, pension funds. Um, it's going to get very interesting as we enter 2023, no doubt. So what, what do you guys think about my takedown theory, though? This, you know, the BIS allowing these derivatives to not exist on balance sheets and then this rising of the rates to create a contagion in the case of these derivatives and probably a whole bunch of other assets. I mean, it seems to me like these derivatives could easily be um, the, uh, you know, the fuse on the bomb. The, the, the derivative mentioned, I apologize for not answering you sooner. Just a couple of things came by my desk. All right, so the, the 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 trigger first of all the BIS who is the the the, the Tower of Basel the Nazi uh, created or organization known as the Bank of International Settlements pretty interesting we all know they're Davos aligned 
They're all WEF lackeys. They're all Davos lackeys. They're the old uh, Eurocrat cronies, right? Now, they have created, okay, and, and there's a lot of tie-in, right? If you, if you really follow this, there's a lot of tie-in between this $80 trillion deliver, derivative blind spot in the FX swaps and LIBOR. Remember the old LIBOR thing that nobody talks about anymore? $800 trillion in loans and, and derivatives that were exposed to LIBOR? That's all connected. How big was that? Eight hundred trillion. That's ten times what we're talking about. Massive, eight hundred trillion. So we were. That's how many loans were affected. None of these things were taken care of, right? None of these things were 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 ever dealt. We all know that that Bank of America did an offload sixty two trillion dollars worth of derivative debt. We all know that thirty trillion in derivative debt from J P Morgan and and sixty one uh, trillion derivative debt from Citibank. These things were not simply taken off their, you know, they, they didn't pay it down. You can't pay it down. It's impossible. We know that these were bolt hold. We know these things went dark. And we know that a lot of this stuff is underreported and is still stinking up and festering within the financial markets. Now, is the $80 trillion going to be the kill shot? Um, yeah, it's, it's a possibility. It could be a, definitely a fuse, definitely a, a, a trigger. Now, the question becomes, when you look at Basel III, right, when you look at uh, and here's the insidious part of it. They themselves have game, set, match an $80 trillion tripwire, right? $80 trillion tripwire that will bring down global retail banking. Now, at the same time, when you read Basel III, they talk about geostrategically important institutions, correct? These are viable, too-big-to-fail institutional banks that need to be what? Bailed out? No, bailed in. Now, this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So now yeah, you they, might have to explain what a bail-in is to people. The bail-in is like uh, the perfect example of bail-in was during the 2008 financial collapse uh, when you were in Cyprus and you woke up and you found out that your that your $100,000 sitting in your checking account is now $20,000. And the bank gives you an IOU because they're too big to fail. So you're not – the government is not no longer going to bail out the bank. And this is why it's very – key and vital and critical for them to change the definition of a depositor, right? The FDIC and the depositor thing, right? Where you are the unsecured lender to the bank. So your funds sitting in the bank account, which are no longer yours by law, they get to take it for themselves and bail themselves in. That is the whole entire thing that's behind it. So they're doing the tripwire. They have these geo strategically important institutions that get bailed in. Now, here's the clincher that nobody talks about. Do you guys realize a lot of your smaller and regional banks, even your credit unions, go back to the credit union. It's so much safer. Do you realize these credit unions are also hold accounts in larger financial institutions like JP Morgan, like Bank of America, like City, uh, like Citibank, like Wells Fargo, right? If you look at who who's clearing the international wires, right? Who's clearing wires for smaller regional banks? Who's clearing wires for, for credit unions? Who has access to do this, when, you know, have access and the bandwidth on the Fed wire to do so? It's going to be your larger geostrategic bank, J.P. Morgan and, 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 and Wells and, and Bank of America. So that means your smaller regional banks hold sizable clearing accounts in the larger, ma larger, bigger mainstream banks, or the big three, the big four, right? So when 
when the crap hits the fan, folks, don't think that a lot of you who are who, are, who have your accounts in credit unions and small regional banks that you're somehow immune from this. A lot of your regional banks are going to go tits up. They're going to implode. Why? Well, it's controlled demolition. Because what we're witnessing here is not only a change in the Western economics, right, that this tripwire that Cowboy was detailing is going to do. It is also going to be seeing a tremendous amount of acquisition where the, where the, large, where the smaller, stable regional banks who ran great books, who had low debt, who had wonderful balances on their books, are all of a sudden going to get vaporized. Why? Because they have an exposure that they were completely blindsided to because they had XYZ accounts in a much larger institution. And that institution requires a bail-in, and there goes your smaller regional banks. So it's, it's a triple-fold increase. It's the, it's the local depositor, the mom and pop. It's the businesses and the business accounts that get, that get affected, the merchant accounts that get affected, and the institutional accounts. That is your smaller regional banks, your local banks, your credit unions, your family offices, your smaller hedge funds, this, that, and the other. Anybody that's clearing through a larger bank is going to be affected. And the only ones remaining will be the geo geostrategically important institutions. That'll be your hand-picked chosen vessels that have been chosen to be the ones that are left standing when the dust settles. And now the war is going to be between central bank uh, issued digital currencies, okay, CBDCs, right, or something else. And that's where the internal conflict is, okay. They're all cool. The major boy, big boy uh, players, JPM, Bank of America, Wells Fraudo, Citibank, they're all cool being the, you know, the GI, the geostrategically important institutions. They're all cool with Basel III. They're all cool with all that. But what they're not cool with is the CBDCs. They're not cool with that. And this is where the conflict comes into play. But they are cool in having the entire financial system nuked where you have three to four banks. Why not? We have cartelism in this country. Three to four food companies. Three to four media companies. Three to four car, uh, car manufacturers. Three to four... Uh, 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 pharmaceutical companies, three to four. I mean, everywhere you look, three to four telecom companies. That's all you have. So why not have three to four banks for all the United States? That's where we're headed to. Good, Cowboy. Yeah, no, that's that's where. You, so <clears throat> you're thinking that, say, your commercial banks, your larger non banks, they may survive, but this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a hostile takeover due to illiquidity. Essentially, yep. bingo. Yeah. So you know, and again, and you know, Gammon, go watch it. The link should be either in the description now or later. But um, one thing, another way that this is going to affect things, right? So we're looking at lower money velocity if this blows up. You know, mind you, if they were able to, um, if the LIBOR scandal was an eight hundred trillion dollar problem, they were able to sweep under the rug, and I mean sweeping under the rug and not in a. Um, in a balance sheet aspect, but I mean, to go ahead and hide it, <laughs> mm -hmm. hide the problem, make it go away. Well, you know, 80 trillion doesn't seem like that big of a deal to do that as well. Um, however, again, if they want it to be the trigger, then it will certainly be the trigger, right? It's, it's, they can do whatever they want. They have the ammo to blow things up. They're just probably waiting for whatever time. Uh, knowing the, knowing the elite, they're probably waiting for, you know, Jupiter to align with Uranus or something, you know, um, because that's you know they like all that stuff 
But uh, one thing that will be the result of such blow up is that there's going to be lower money velocity. There's going to be less available cash. And this is especially outside of the dollar, uh, but with the dollar as well. But as these other currencies are unable to keep up with this issue, the dollar is really going to skyrocket because dollars will be needed to cover whatever debts can be covered, whatever doesn't blow up. And so the dollar is going to, you know, and if you look at the charts, the dollar has been going up for against other currencies for quite a while and it's been killing markets. Um, if you look at the charts, whenever the dollar goes down, um, whenever the dollar starts to kind of cool off, that's when markets start to go. So the markets have an inverse relationship with the dollar. And this is simply because markets are primarily priced in dollars. So, you know, dollar movement is kind of everything right now. It, well, not everything, but it is a, a gravity anti-gravity for markets. And if this does happen, it's going to be a massive deflationary event. It's going gonna, it's gonna to rupture the system. It's going to rupture the entire system. It's going to cause a lot of countries to go ahead and move away from the current fiat system and go to whatever their CBDC or whatever the next move is. Um, you know, because all these other countries in the world, they they just won't have any money to invest in their economies. I mean, it's a worldwide depression. Mind you, this is if it's allowed to happen. And I think the only way to keep this from going down at least part of the equation to keep from going down is to have a decrease in interest rates. So you're going to kind of have an idea if they want to blow things up, if they don't really cut rates. Mind you, we talked about this last week. Everybody seems to think, oh, they're going to cut rates. Everything's going to go up. And that's not how it's worked historically. Now, mind you, we could say this time is different because people say that pretty often. And most people who say this time is different, they lose. They lose whatever trade they base that on. It's never really a good way to go. It can work. Things are sometimes different, but generally they're not. So historically, whenever there's a Fed pivot, whenever the Fed's been hiking rates and they decide to stop and cut rates, that is uh, followed by a subsequent crash in the markets. Markets tend to crash when they start cutting rates. This is a this is no one knows this except for those of us who look at history. Everybody right now is conditioned to think that rates go down, market go up. But initially, that will be a big crash. And then after that, the market tends to go up. So just a couple things to look at. Um, I know, uh, CJ, you had something around uh, gold. Well, Something I, to do you, with uh, you know, gold just, in the economy just, that you know, might relate quick, to this, right? Well, real quick, you know, just to, you know, off what you said, I think in terms of the intrinsic value of anything is based upon the want and the demand for anything, right? Cryptos, gold, silver, dollars, you know, you name it. You know, if, if you have a certain commodity, you know, hey, I have this, it may be worth something to some other person. And so I think that intrinsic value shifts upon a multitude of different things, interests, what it has. And I think, therefore, that's what's explaining this massive shift that's happening right now when you look at like Russia and, and China, who has uh, resources tied and pegged to energy, this evolving thing. So I, I don't know what you meant by deflationary in terms of of, of a deflationary value in markets. It, no, it, it's, it means that like stocks and, you know, everything goes down. That's a deflationary event in markets. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so in terms of, of, of the dollar, you know, I could see somewhat where it, it, it will continue to rise because I think the demand is going to be less and less and hence the volume that they're pumping out. So at the end of the day, the fed doesn't need probably need the banks and that's what they're probably working through is like, why, you know, the, the banks are, are insolvent. 
there's a multitude of banks that are out there. Do we do we really need this? But how do they keep this system propped up enough to keep people tied into the system? How do they keep people that, hey, my pension is fine, my Social Security is fine? All these things that we know, they're going to be very difficult for them to manage going forward. There was a very interesting article that came up just today. Let me bring this up because I think this is even, even more telling. This just came out today. And this is in regards to the unions. The Biden administration has decided that there is a significant shortfall in the uh, union, the Teamsters pension funds. Imagine that. Imagine that. So today. Is it just Teamsters or is it all like unions? Uh, probably AFL-CIO, probably significant. So today, the Biden administration, which I thought that Congress controlled the power of the purse, not executive office. So I don't know how this is a, you know, even legal. Uh, but today, the Biden administration announced a $36 billion for the central state's pension funds, preventing drastic cuts to, a, to hard-earned pensions of over 350,000 union workers and retirees. And the reason why I bring this up, because this is just a snapshot of a significant amount of people, not necessarily ourselves, but our parents, maybe our grandparents who retired with Social Security and pension pension uh, uh, benefits that are just being completely railroaded right now because all those uh, institutions that manage those pensions are insolvent. They've, they've invested in things that are completely uh, broken right now. So this pension fund that they just bailed out is going to benefit numerous union workers, which we know primarily the way that union workers vote is, is democratic. So this is basically buying votes once again. So again, this pension fund bailout was uh, effect, impacting 350,000 union workers and retirees that were forced to pay to, they're getting ready to place a 60% cut in pension benefits. Let me repeat that 60% cut in pension benefits. This bailout, if you will, which again, I think is unconstitutional, but nothing in our in our failed uh, United States of, you know, the former Republic of America is, is constitutional, will save some 40,000 workers and retirees in Michigan, uh, 40,000 Ohio. The numbers are there. I'll put the link in the, in the article. But, you know, this is just telling. This is just, you know, one side of the conversation, one side of the story that's happening. And again, where where does this money come from? Where does it, where does it fall upon? And I think that's hence the reason why you see things that are occurring, like the other articles I had shared, where today that uh, Xi Jinping is meeting in Saudi Arabia, is negotiating probably what's going to be deemed in the future as far as getting completely out of of dollar denominated trade, uh, getting rid of the petrodollar, which you know I think the petrodollar in itself is is one thing to consider. I think probably the bigger picture is what are the Saudi investments in? Are they the Saudi investments in treasuries? Are they in stocks? And what happens when the Saudis start pulling their wealth from dollar denominated instruments, which is probably the bigger question that we need to ask ourselves. So again, this is just the, the thing that's occurring globally, this massive shift and it's, and it's escalating because of Ukraine Ukraine, like V has said numerous times, was where the dollar goes to die. This is playing out in, in, in real time. And today we have a president who brokered a deal 
to allow uh, Brittany Griner, am I saying that properly? Brittany Griner, uh, to be traded, if you will, for a, a Soviet person who, I don't know, they say he, he killed a lot of Americans, whatever. But this is just this is just the, the multitude of stupidity that we're dealing with the West. And and I don't see it changing going into to next year. Um, I think what most Americans care the most about are is, is, you know, will their debit card work? Will they be able to withdraw cash if they want to? What are, what are the prices that they're paying at the pump? What are the paying? What are the prices at retail prices for energy and those and those types of things? So I think that you know this this is very telling in terms of of the future, and going into the uh, past midterms that we just passed, going into the next election cycle, I don't see any political discourse changing of how we systematically look at the basis of our financial system. Capitalism has failed, right? We don't. We don't have a cap. We. we I was people like all these political commentators. We, we, we value and cherish the the capitalist society of the United States. We don't have a capitalist system. We have a fascist state. We have a fascist state that dictates which companies succeed, which companies fail, which companies get bailed out. That's not capitalism. That's not true capitalism. So again, getting back to the original thing that we were talking about is in regards to these debt instruments. And yeah, half banks are more than probably probably ninety percent of banks are insolvent at this point. So where are your funds? Where are your safety? It's something that we all have to consider and and deem what your individual basis is, what you can afford space to to either invest or to trade or to uh, to get to get involved with. And but we're we're well past past the eleventh hour. We're we're at the point now where. The, the the dollar is going to be insolvent. It's it's you know the system is going to change into whatever they you know central bank digital currency, whatever failed system they're going to evolve to because the corruption and fraud is so massive, they have no choice but to unplug from that system. But at the same time, convince enough people that it we have to do this in order to restore faith in in capitalism or restore faith in the United States. It's it it and it's so disheartening because again you know these. You know, we, we you know we want to pretend like our elected leaders are are mature enough to make the proper decisions uh, to change the course and the tra- trajectory that the United States is is heading into, but no, they they have a, they have it kicked into overdrive right now. They they they're they're just speeding up the course that we're heading into in hopes that they can they can pivot into this next digital economy that they want us to believe in. So that's. You know that's that's the opinion that I that I've arrived in. Um, I don't I don't have any faith at all in terms of electing political people who are going to buy into the multipolar world, are going to change the course that we're heading into in the United States. And um, you know it'll be for each person to decide. Do I do I remain uh, part of the former United States? Um, what does that look like, or do I seek a safe haven uh, elsewhere? Puerto Escondido. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sounds like a great place to surf. That's what sure. it is. Sure. That's why people go there. Yeah, and, and, you know, the whole point is like I want people to realize is like what CJ and what Cowboys and what so many of us so many times have stated over and over and over and over and over and over again on this broadcast, and it's so pertinent because we're highlighting it. The most important thing right now, folks, is that. We are highlighting and narrating the collapse of Western civilization. 
there's nothing that is going to change the trajectory of where we are. There is no savior on a white horse coming to save us. There's no JFK Jr. There's no white hats. There's no Trump coming back and he's going to fix everything you watch. Uh, the left is playing hard. I think the only silver lining here is that the hard left, most of them are going to be dropping dead from the jib-jab, jibby-jab, you know, and and the fact that they're infertile and m- most liberal men have castrated themselves and they've done voluntary vasectomies so they don't reproduce and increase their carbon footprint, yada, yada, and so, so on and so forth. We have the cancer of a death culture that has taken root. And because we don't do anything culturally, because we've lost all tradition. And I love the quote, uh, and I forget, who, he, I think it's Gustav something, I forget the guy's name. But the, this quote is so powerful. Tradition is not the worship of ashes, folks. You know, when people think about history and culture and tradition, oh, that's just the past. That's just, no, no. Tradition is not the preservation of ashes. It's, it's not the worship of ashes. It's the preservation of fire. And that is what that is the only thing that's going to save this country. And when the vast majority of Americans, not only can they not find their own state on a map, they know nothing of American history. And if you don't know anything about the history of your country, why would you fight for it? Most Americans don't even understand. See, this is the, why the, the power structure has worked so effortlessly to water down the meaning of Christmas, water down the meaning of Thanksgiving, water down all these things, these amazing American identitarian-type holidays that identify us as Americans have been completely wiped out. It's been completely watered down. And then what they've done also is they've made us so far removed from our money. Think about that. They have so far removed us from our money. When we invest... We let somebody else take care of it. And, and, and this attitude of somebody else is going to take care of our investment, somebody else is going to take care of our children, somebody else is going to take care of us, has put us in the position that we're in today. We are not going to escape this trajectory. You can do a couple of things. You could put on a, uh, um, 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 a parachute pack and jump out the plane and, 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 and get out, or you brace for impact. Those are your two options you have. I, I don't see barring a miracle of God, and I don't, I don't see any politician in Washington D.C. that's going to all of a sudden, you know, correct the ship. I don't see it, you know. And 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 like what CJ always says all the time, local government is the best place for Ron DeSantis to be is Florida, because as soon as you get into Washington D.C., unless you are going to be the tyrant that they call you out to be. There will be no results. There, you, you know, it's like, dude, we don't need a JFK Jr. We need a freaking Vladimir Putin. That's what we need. Go ahead, guys. Oh well, I mean, you know, I, I also, I also kind of think about the severity of like what these people are doing, uh, not only just to our money, but you know, they're going after our kids. You know. Um, you know, to take this another step further, the reason that people don't know the history and the reason people are not fighting for the country is because, well, really, it's because of the educational system, right? And we've talked enough about this. You know, that that needs to be done away with or overhauled or something. Uh, you know, now, that, not that we have the power to do any of that, 
but yeah you mean this so, kind of educational system yeah they, in a top yeah. elite chicago private school brags about hey man you know the most exciting thing about my job is dildos and butt plugs for kids yeah with kids like this is and that's like the latest version of how bad it's just getting worse and worse and worse right and it seems to me oh that's is that project veritas yep yeah yeah so i mean it, it seems to me they're ramping it up so hard that the actual reaction, let's just say that somehow the, the right is allowed to kind of take power again. Um, I think we got to be real careful because saying things like, and again, the first thing that I want to do to anybody who messes with kids is I want to do something to where they can't breathe anymore and maybe make it really painful. But, you know, obviously we don't, we don't uh, advocate violence here on this channel ever, but it kind of seems like I can understand why somebody would want to chuck them in a volcano. Right. I'm not saying I want to, but I can get why they would. Now, if, if things get bad enough and then let's just say that the, the worm turns and the right comes into power, you know, and things are so bad, it's, it's going to allow the country to tear itself apart. They don't even have to do anything because you're going to have a bunch of well-armed people going around, just committing violence <laughs> and i mean violence to you know they're going to go after the leadership they're going to go after everyone it's going to be bedlam so i think that we do want to understand that everybody's been manipulated not just the left but everybody's being manipulated and i think some of the best advice that i've heard on this channel came from velas and it has to do with you know if if something is upsetting you that much then you're being manipulated. Um, and that's, you don't want to be manipulated because, you know, think about that. I mean, if you're, if you are wanting to commit a violent act because of some terrible things, like you're putting yourself at risk, you're going to go commit some bad crimes. So I think that cooler heads should prevail. I'm not saying they will, but I'm, I'm just cautioning people to, to be very careful with like what their thought process is. Understand that all these people are damaged people themselves. They probably got touched when they were kids, you know, like, you know, anybody who's willing to go and act like that probably was abused as a child. And I think that if we could find a way, whatever happens in the future, I think we need to focus on making a, um, making the world a safe place for children. Um, you know, I think that, uh, John Paul Rice is someone I've come across recently and he's got a, a really great view on a lot of this stuff. Um, the guy's been through a lot. He's an actor in Hollywood. You can just look him up, John Paul Rice. Or maybe I'll post over in the in the Discord. So I don't run out of time. But well, uh, j just in case we go to World War Three, I just want to let you know our armed forces are ready, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. Look at that. That's I, I ready. Totally, I feel protected. Yeah, especially when they go that's to war against that that country, that gas that that country that's masquerading as a gas station or a gas station. <laughs> that country that you know. <clears throat> The Soviet Union, yeah. You know, you see that, you see the bottom right with all those ribbons on there. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies is in the. Those Navy. are all the different colors and sizes of uh, butt plugs that he used. That's right. Yeah. And one of my buddies is uh, he's actually was Joint Intelligence, retired Navy. Um, you know, pretty high up, like you know, big dog guy. And one of the things he said was he showed a picture of, uh, I think it was Millie, and then he showed a picture of uh, who knows, it might have been Eisenhower. It was some general from World War II. Mm -hmm. Now, they both had 
an enormous amount of ribbons, but the one from World War II is only wearing the three that were required. You know, mm-hmm. it's even in a even in a professional photo, like a lot of the, a lot of these guys won't wear as many ribbons outside of the photo. Yeah, not but, like these jackasses today. These fucking yeah, losers. You know, these are strikeout artists. They've never won a war in their life. Well, yeah, yeah. what war have we won? None. In the, it, since when? Like what? World Dude, War the II, way we, we the way we croon about how we won World War II, the way we croon about that, it is the equivalent. And I'll put it in football terms for for most people to get, especially newbies who are who accidentally trip into this channel. I'll tell it to you bluntly. It is the equivalent of it is ten seconds on the clock. The score is forty nothing. Okay, and they did, and the coach decides. You know what? Rather than run out the clock, we're just let special teams come out and kick a field goal. Special teams comes out, kicks a field goal, scores 40 nothing. Your team is winning, so you decide to go kick a field goal and score three points. Now it's 43-zip, and the clock has run out. That's, that's what the that's United States Europe. is. The United I, States a, is the special teams. My grandfather, rest in peace, might have uh, something to say to you about the Pacific Theater. Uh, Pacific was different, but then even still, we made Japan... Like, there was this incredible mon- – that country was already being choked out industrially and energy-wise. They had no fuel to fight. So they were already on their way out. Go ahead, Cowboy. No, no, let's say, I mean, you know, the the Pacific campaign was brutal. Like, I, if you've ever heard an 80-year-old man cry, like, oh, God, yeah. it's, it's a tough thing <laughs> to watch. Um, I, I wouldn't want to take anything away from from those who have fought, and you know, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to malign our, our our armed forces, but you know, as far as a like a whole unit and and what we've accomplished since World War II, I, I, there are not too many things I can look at. Say what Granada, we went in there and threw some grenades at some huts. Like We're, we are know, masters I mean, of destroying mud huts, bro. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the the look. It's the educational system again, right? There's nothing wrong with education. We we're learning every day is a new gender. Um, there's different sizes and colors of butt plugs, uh, glow in the dark butt plugs. Uh, soon they're you know, I mean, they're going to be working on uh, edible butt plugs soon. Maybe one sums out our CBD infused. CJ, we need to come out with that. CJ, yeah. oh, I mean, CBD has a good infused blood. CJ, are you listening? Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there, I mean, everyone kind of has to evaluate their own emotional energy that they put into to topics. So, see, I'm talking I, about I, CBD infused butt I, plugs. What I, are you talking about? You know, I, I, I kind of <laughs> agree in terms of the emotional state about like is something manipulating you, but I don't think that's holds true for everything. Like certain things, like I see absolutely nothing wrong with pouring some emotional energy into uh, uh, certain investigations that need to take place. Uh, certain um, states that are are waging lawsuits right now in terms of like the health sector of what's happening right now. Well, see, that's uh, okay that, though. That's that's within the system because that that's impacts legal. you know all humanity. Like, and and even because I've been covering it a lot in regards to the uh, the the uh, Twitter uh, release, and you know, and, and am I am optimistic? Yes, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, it, it it's almost like you know the great illusion that was Trump. You know, Musk could potentially be the same thing and him, you know, the same thing with this Twitter thing that's happening right now. Is it just another temporary uh, Band-Aid or or uh, PSYOP to get people back into thinking that, hey, there's a chance here. We're fighting back. We're a system. But I'm, but I'm cautiously 
you know, optimistic, but I understand they could be leveraging that through this time period to say, we need to distract people from what's, you know, what's really happening, pivoting into, you know, to 2024 with the uh, potential election, which I think would be another psyop of Trump versus Biden. And they ratchet that up and they get millions of Americans plugged into it. And this is like Rocky two and, you know, and, and Trump's coming back or I can't remember who won in Rocky. II. Maybe it's more like Rocky three, Clubber Lang, when Clubber Lang knocked out Balboa and then he had to come back. So maybe it's more like Rocky three, but you know, that's a construct that we're, we're currently living in and they leverage technology. They leverage the media. They let leverage the information that they pour into us to keep us plugged into what we all want to stay tied to. And, and it's, uh, it's up to each individual. Where, where do you want to put your emotional energy into and where you're willing to spend your time invested into and, 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 and pick and choose your battles uh, wisely. Um, and, and I think that's where, because like, if you, if you, if you choose everything, if you stay plugged into everything, you're going to drive yourself nuts. You're going to pull your hair out. So again, I think you have to look at it and kind of evaluate like the direction that we're going into safeguard. It's like a broken record. I always say the safeguard yourself, <clears throat> the family, your, your local community, and then decide what are we going to do to help humanity, the bigger picture, because we all know the, the globalists, elitists, whatever you want to call them, they have their belief system of where they want to take humanity into because they don't believe that the future economics of things is going to need the near amount of people uh, required to run those things. They believe in automation technology that's going to reduce the need for a lot of those things. We know here in the West that our standard of living has been greatly enhanced because of, of the dollar that our standard of living is going to have to significantly decline um, after periods of time and and how and that's going to be very difficult for most Americans to understand and, and absorb. Um, but when you look at the standard of living that we've been used to here, it's it's much different than than the uh, developing uh, country. So so it's diff- definitely interesting times. I'm, I'm thankful uh, to be alive. I'm thankful to be uh, living through this uh, for the people that are tuning in and listening. I love I don't always jump into some of the conversations in the discord. Uh, but I appreciate people posting. I always get a good laugh there with some of the memes and things things post. So, uh, so keep that up. Uh, if you want to join the Discord again, uh, email me cj at roguenews.com. I think there's three or four waiting for me to respond, so I'll get to those today um, and get any other uh, any other requests that come in uh, taken care of uh, before the end of the day today. You still haven't answered my question, CJ. <laughs> no CBD flavored flavored butt plugs and that's it no but no what CBD about infused. Inf- <laughs> siege, this is a billion dollar idea me. i'm coming up with and you once again siege are taking my ideas and you're whittling it down because you want to dwell you want to dwell in reality well, well it, i it, don't it would okay? help this is reality good. sucks okay you want to go gross for a minute i'll get you gross but the cbd would help from any inflammation of the anal that would prevent the exactly butt properly so there's a lot of people <laughs> In San Francisco, Tink is right. She's like gross. So, <laughs> Self-expanding There's a lot of people within the community that are in San Francisco, and they're in Greenwich Village in New York City, and they have inflamed rectal areas. This is a one-two punch, and it make be. it edible. Make it, it glow in the dark. We can do it all. <laughs> <in the dark. laughs> Gilbert, Gilbert typed it as you said it. Maybe we could 3D print it, Siege. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> well, this is going to be future of innovation in America, so might as well get a jump on it. 
God. Well, I know a few Chicago schools we could sell it to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell it to Balenciaga. <laughs> we'll sell it to Balenciaga. They'll buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good oh, Lord. my God. Yeah, right as you said, edible, like Gilbert typed it in the chat, edible butt plugs. And they're like, it, like it, the mod, the auto moderator kept it from going and I tried to approve it and hit the wrong button. But yeah, that was, that was like, you guys are thinking of the same thing. Good <laughs> God. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gnarly. Okay. I just, I'm skipping lunch. I just decided. I think I lost my appetite <laughs> as well. Oh, dude. <laughs> Looking forward to dinner. <laughs> oh my God. You're going to have some chocolate pudding. Ew, come on. <laughs> now we're going off the deep end. <laughs> Anyway, some grilled folks. beef and chocolate pudding. All right, stop it, man. You're going to make me vomit. <laughs> chocolate oatmeal. Stop! <laughs> God. I don't know what, what happened. You started to be. You started the whole Well, you know what? There. I should have known better. You know, yeah, I should have the... known better, Siege, because whatever I start, it's mild. And then you got to take it to 11, level 11, <laughs> gross me out. And then I can't talk about it. This is a tactic you have, CJ. I know it is. Maybe maybe we'll start a playlist on uh, Pornhub. Oh, God. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, we have uh, something in, in my family. It's a spira merda. And that literally means like somebody who stirs the shit. And that's like, yeah, that's, you know, if we need to go ahead and have V stir it up on the channel, he's, he's the spira merda. He's ready to, to throw it out there and gross us all out before lunch. <laughs> and then we're we're both you know we're all three what gross, do you guys do so for we'll lunch? just keep it going he just stirs it up <laughs> what you, you guys doing anything for lunch what not anymore oh sorry i, I think i'm gonna no, get a sandwich i have no plans some, but i think there's uh, some, some leftover gnocchi. pesto pasta that i have uh yeah my wife handmade gnocchi too so you know Ooh, I've got gnocchi. oh yeah then i've got it i have my uh, sauce that i make it's uh Basically, hey, you do Sunday is... gravy at your house or what, man? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's a gravy like none other. So basically, it's like a marinara, but I have my own kind of level of spice to it. Nice. Um, and what I do is I throw a little bit of cracked red pepper on the That's onions good. and garlic as they're starting to. You said uh, crack, crack, oh, dude. And as they're starting, <laughs> right. to yeah, brujol. Yeah, we got you put CG on the path, and he just can't leave it now. Mm-hmm. See, no, see, that's how it works. He's on the path, full, full, full force. Yeah. So, oh, and then uh, the other thing is, I make a, um, I make a cream reduction with. Uh, don't even say anything, CJ. I make a, <laughs> cream, a cream reduction, reduction <laughs> with with pecorino cheese in it. Ooh. <laughs> pecorino. <laughs> That's a real... All right, this is going the wrong way. You know what? Forget it. CJ's ruined the whole thing. You're going. That sounds like an infection. If it's a pecker with cream on it. That like I was an talking about brujol. <laughs> now it's peckers with cream. Right, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Some cayenne pecker. Can't, oh god, can't. All right, I'm gone. I'm done. I'm done. All right, really, it's Folks. A, it is a literal whipped cream, heavy whipping reduction. So you heat it up, and then you you fine uh, grind out. What do you call it when you when you do cheese? Fuck, great. Grind out's dry. Great, great. You fine grate the cheese, and then you melt it slowly into the cream, and it becomes a reduction. And then you put some spices in that, and then I add that to what is my special kind of marinara sauce, and that gravy. Um, knocks the socks off especially when i take it and i have the noodles that i boiled the day before 
and I leave them in oil in the fridge overnight and it chases out the water. So it's more oil than water. And then you take the noodles and you saute them. So they get just a tiny bit crispy. And then you put the sauce and you saute that. So the cheese kind of gets somewhat, uh, dude, it is not a single, only a robot doesn't like that. No feces involved. Bro, it's been a long time. I'm trying to get my wife to make Sunday gravy, man. She does it with brojol. She does the Sicilian meatballs where, you know, you have the veal, the pork. You mix that all together with the, with the beef. And then you have the, the pinoli nuts in the inside, the breadcrumbs. Roll it up into a ball, you know? It's, oh, my God. That sounds pretty good. Brojol, sausage. You know, you cook the sauce for eight hours, slow stir. Oh, my God. Fresh basil, pecorino. And, of course, San Marzano, bro. Oh, I put bacon man. grease in mine. Oh, that works too. Bacon yeah, grease works for everything, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. Maron, I'm hungry now. Yeah, we right, take care of that time. for you. You got like an Italian Spanish wife or something, don't you? Yep. Yep. Uh, she's a Spaniard that grew approves, up in Little sir. Italy, man. So she's more Italian than anything else. <laughs> yeah, the cowboy approves. Yes. That's the thing with all the Mediterranean girls. They're all the same: Greek, Spaniard, Italian. They're all the same. Yeah, or Croatian. Croatia. Yeah, that's right. Croatia, Croatia is uh, in, 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 uh, in Adriatic. 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 They're, they're, they're across the Adriatic from Italy. I mean, there's enough infusion, but, you know, especially like, you know, Macedonia and all that other stuff. Yeah, so that's uh, the most. Hey, I know some from... I know some Albanians that make some mean Italian food back in New York, bro. So that fusion goes all over the place. Oh, yeah. Well, my wife's actually Serbian, but, you know, mom was oh, yeah. born in Croatia. So, yeah, it was all Yugoslavia back then. Yep. R.I.P. to Slobodan Milosevic. <laughs> Poor guy, man. They they, they, yeah. they gave him a screw job. Yep, uh, they did. Anyway, guys, we're at the end of the broadcast. Thank you all for listening in. You've heard everything. Cowboy ran a litany of things. CJ grossed us out. Then we talked about food. Cowboy gave us uh, Italian sauce recipes. What more do you want? What more do you all want? With that being said, we'll be back tomorrow. CJ, we have a Vels tomorrow. Vellis is on tomorrow. He's got a whole PowerPoint ready to go. Oh boy! Uh, and then Harley will be be Monday of next week since he was on on this week. So perfect. We should be good to go. Awesome. And with that being said, El Cuco, take it away. <laughs>